Pastor Xavier Reese offers this advice of the ongoing battle between right and wrong. The forces at work are real, people. You better check the commercials, the billboards. Get a certain type of pants, ladies, you're going to be skinny overnight. And guys, if you drink bud, you're going to be playing football pro style. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, bringing down the strongholds of the enemy come against the knowledge of God. Now you are going to be taken in or you're going to say, no, I make my stand. I'm going to honor God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Thousands of dollars are spent each day on get-rich schemes. Why? Well, because deceit is always very intriguing. Today, Pastor Xavier exhorts the church about the importance of aligning with God's direction before man's. Let's join him in the book of Joshua for today's important simple truths on the importance of seeking truth. Joshua chapter 9, we're going to look at the entire chapter, verse 1 through 27, and the message entitled, Lies are Clever and Convincing. One day, as you know, God spoke to the prophet to go prophesy against the altar of Bethel where Jeroboam was. And he prophesied and he called for them to seize the prophet, his arm withered. And he prayed, oh, I'll have God restore my arm. God did. And he said, hey, come back to my house. And no, 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 God told me not. He took off. Then a prophet that was old in the area heard about it and he asked his son, where is he? He says, oh, he's over there. So he went over there. He says, hey, are you a prophet? Yeah. He said, I'm a prophet too. And you know what? The angel of the Lord, an angel of God, told me to tell you to come and eat with me. He goes, oh, okay, that settles it. He goes back. And as he's eating, God prophesies through the old prophet. You're a dead man. And when he left, a lion killed him. To prove that it wasn't that the lion was hungry, the donkey was left there alive. <laughs> All right? God told him not to go back. He fell for the deception of a lie. And so is the case here with Joshua and Israel. They believed the lie of the Gibeonites. They were taken in. And so what we want to do is look at the covenant made by Israel with the Gibeonites, which is characterized by three things. Verse 1 through 14, it's characterized by a fraudulent undertaking. Verse 15 through 21, by a foolish decision. And then 22 through 27, a formidable compromise. Let me read verse 1 through 14. It says, And it came to pass, when all the kings who were on the side of the Jordan, in the hills and the lowlands of the, all the coastlands, the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, all these ites, they heard about it. And that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of the Gibeonites heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily. And they went and they pretended to be ambassadors and they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched up sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, and they said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a far country now. Now therefore, make a covenant with us. And then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We're your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you? And where do you come from? And they said to him, 
from a very far country, your servants have come. Because of the name of the Lord your God, we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, to Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore, elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took, hot from our provisions, from our house, and the one uh, the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins which we feel were new. And see, they are torn. And these are garments. Our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. The fraudulent undertaking. The Gibeonites devised a deceptive plan to make a covenant with Israel. The plan of all the other kings in verse 1 and 2 was to fight against Israel. They looked at what was going on. They were going to fight. All the kings there on the lowlands and all the way to the Great Sea, the Mediterranean, all of these kings. They had heard about the event at Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal, the whole country there, erecting the, the, uh, the altar, the proclaiming of God's word. They freaked out. They have come across Jordan. They have taken Jericho. They have taken Ai. They're in the central of the land. There's no stopping them. Their names are given to us, Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and all these ites. They're freaking out because there's no stopping the army of Israel. It was a united front, notice that, to attempt to stop them from possessing the land. Yet, in reality, they were fighting against God because God had judged them and was judging them. And the land was going to be given to Joshua. And sometimes, as you become a Christian, people will unite against you. The common denominator of the world, they hate each other. But they'll all gather against Christianity. (laughs) And when you become a Christian, don't be freaked out and don't think it's strange when you become the enemy of the world. Now you're too narrow-minded. Now you want to live for God. Hmm. Notice verse 3. The plan of the Gibeonites was contrary to these kings. They didn't want to fight. So the word but makes the sharp contrast. The deciding factor was in hearing what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. That was the deciding factor. So in verse 4, the Gibeonites were clever in their plan. Take note of this. The word craftily means wilily, shrewdly, with an evil intent of presumptuous guile. There's a hidden agenda. I've got my eyes on something, I'm going to get it, but I don't want you to know or even think or suspect that I want it. In fact, the word is used to describe the actions of a man who premeditates against his neighbor to kill him. And it's translated treachery in Exodus 21.14, same word. Notice they went and they passed themselves off as ambassadors. Those who were representing a foreign country from far away. They were in the central mountain range, about eight miles northwest of Jerusalem here. They took with them all the physical evidence to persuasively convince them of their words. You have to make these things one. And listen, when you're a liar, you've got to remember all the lies you've said. Remember that. So you're going to work hard, okay? When you're a man of truth, a woman of truth, you don't have to worry about remembering anything. 
<laughs> they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins, torn, mended, old patched sandals on their feet, the garments themselves were all worn out, all the bread, the provisions dry and moldy. These are all the preparations. Man, they're making sure their story, their evidence, everything is one. Hey, listen, people are clever, remember? <laughs> Some of us were real good hucksters. When we got our eyes on something, man, we're going to get it. Verse 6 to 14, the Gibeonites departed to persuade Israel by their careful deception. Look at verse 6. The Gibeonites arrived. They went directly to Joshua at Gilgal, the camp of Israel there. Now, probably this is a different Gilgal than the one when they came over the Jordan where they were circumcised. This is probably up by the northern region where Grism and Ebal are. It doesn't make any sense to keep coming back to the south, up and back. Okay, and there is one there. Deuteronomy 130, 1 Samuel 7, 16, and other portions would confirm that. So they've heard about this whole meeting. They come straight to Joshua there in the camp. And they came face to face with him in verse 6 there, and the men of Israel, declaring their intent behind their mission. Notice he says, uh, they said to him and all the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. First words. Because they were the people God was giving the land. And the people in the land were the people God was going to destroy. So what do you do? You distance yourself from that. We're from a far country. You disarm them. They said, now therefore, make a covenant with us. All oh, be careful when someone tries to hurry things on. <laughs> Whenever you're pressured to make a decision, back off. Wait. I never make a decision in ministry when I feel pressured. I just back off. I say, no. Look at verse 7. The apprehension of the men of Israel was twofold. Then the men of Israel, in verse 7, said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us. There was a check there. Something wasn't right. God was checking them. So how can we make a covenant with you? Again, they understood. They, they weren't to make any covenant. They knew that clearly by the law. And here's a check. Check by what they knew in the law, and perhaps a check by the Spirit of God. Be careful. Those yellow lights, those blinking red lights, don't ignore them. The response of the Gibeonites was with greater deception to distance themselves from having to answer the objections. People will do this. They don't watch. They move on. Listen to them. They did it through false humility and submission. But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. Oh, it disarms you. Because now you're superior. Wow, you want to serve me. We are vain. You know, some guy goes in the bank and he's going to cash a false check. And the teller says, oh, no, worries. you need two sort of, oh, you know, I don't only have the one. I just got the services. Wow, that's a nice looking dress you have. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, you only have one. Oh, well, I think that will do. Distracting. They're pressed by Joshua. Joshua's hanging on. He won't be sidetracked. And Joshua said in verse 8 there, who are you and where do you come from? He knew the prohibition, Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 20, and many other portions. Don't make covenants with them. Look at verse 9 and 10. They seen Joshua's persistency and fear of being found out, immediately and cleverly distanced themselves from the land altogether. Listen to what they say. From a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord, your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. The name Yahweh refers to not only his fame, but to his character. 
It was mentioned by Rahab in chapter 2, verse 9 and 11. Chapter 7, verse 9. Everybody's hearing about it. God is a God of judgment against sin. And so in verse 10, they said, And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, and beyond the Jordan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, Og, king of Basham, who was an asterisk, they mentioned nothing about Jericho and Ai. Why? They distanced themselves on the other side. They're clever. They distanced themselves. Notice in verse 11 through 14. The physical evidence was to conceal their false words. Verse 11, they related their commission by their elders and the people, telling them to take the provisions. Take all of this stuff, get on your journey, go meet them. They didn't mention a king. That should have been a check. You're no king? (laughs) Verse 11, their message was to be, we're your servants. Make a covenant with us. This is the third time, by the way, the mention of being a servant. See, it appeals to our pride. But we love to be in control and we love to be thought of as great. So we put our guard down. We get taken in. Verse 12 and 13. They reveal the provisions as evidence of a long duration of time. See, he's thinking about it and he sees it. So he said, well, look, look, look right here. Distract you. Bring you to the evidence. Verse 12. Their bread, dry, moldy, instead of fresh and hot, right? The wineskins, empty, torn, instead of full and new. Their garments and sandals, they become shabby, long journey, worn out. And so the giving I succeeded in their deception here. Listen, due to careless perception, verse 14 and 15. Look at 14. The men of Israel relied on their own understanding. Dead. Dead in your tracks. You rely on your own understanding alone. They took some of the provisions, but they did not seek counsel of the Lord. The word take means to take with the hand with the idea to examine it. Well, you know, that looks good. Yeah, it is flat. And, you know, you are telling me the story and that is good. I wish you could hear some of the stories that I hear from people. It's heart-renting and they're complete lies. It's difficult to hear some of the stuff people come in because they want to get money from you or different things. It, It tears your heart out. Many times it's lies. The men of Israel did not ask God. The word but marks the sharp contrast. Literally from the mouth of Yahweh. Oh, hon, this house just looks so good. It's, it's, It's too good a deal to pass up. If it's too good, it probably is. Lord, do you want us to? Is this you, Lord? Confirm some things. Speak to our hearts. Or do you just jump into it? Everything pointed to the verification of their words. That they were true. The physical evidence. The words. Why bother? Wrong. You better bother. Joshua had been instructed by God. Way back in the book of Numbers. To always counsel God. And to go to Eliezer. And to seek God through the Urim and the Thummim. In Numbers 27, 18 to 21. He didn't do it. We can become so complacent as Christians. Well, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's all there. And we don't check with God. The Chinese idiom for treachery and craftiness is the following. Honey in mouth, but dagger in heart. Honey in mouth, dagger in heart. The Bible has something like that when Ezekiel and John had to take the book of the scroll and eat it. It was sweet in his mouth, but bitter in his stomach. Judgment. 
our American society, they, for the most part, has no problem in lying, exaggerating, fabricating, manipulating, doing anything that it needs to to get the job, to get the girl, to get the guy, to whatever it has to be. Listen to Jeremiah 9.5. He says, everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. You work hard at it. Oh, did you see his face when we got over on him? We ripped the dude off. No conviction. Nothing. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, who then will be according to their works. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15. So this happens within the church also. Alright? Happens in the world, happens in the church. It began back in Genesis. Has God said? Oh, God hasn't said that. Hmm. Beware of people who do not want to answer your questions and the information that you need. It could be in terms of casual or personal relationships that a person is seeking um, just an agenda. Obtain a goal. Be wise. Be prudent. Don't be gullible. Be very diligent to seek out correct and accurate information, particularly in matters of long-term relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage. Don't be taken in, ladies. Swing on the rope. See if it's going to hold you. <laughs> Don't just be crushed. Don't trust your own conclusions when they contradict the Word of God. Oh, I know he's a non-believer, but you know, God is going to save him afterwards. Really? Be careful. Don't be fooled by those in the church who still practice deceit, manipulation. We're to put on the whole armor of God, be filled with the power of his might. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Seeking the Lord. He is the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He is the prince in the power of the air. In John. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter 5, 8. He'll use anything, anyone, anything. And he'll try to distract you from the word of God. Be careful not to become indifferent to the privilege that you have in seeking the mind of God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. Seeking him. Lord, is this of you? Is this what you want? Lord, how does this fit in your word? Or do you say, well, I got it all wired. It's okay. It's too good to be true. It probably is. Probably not true then. <laughs> Seeing then that we have such a high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession or profession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin, let us, therefore, come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Is there some time you don't need help? <laughs> Every day of my life. Lord, help this boy. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, bringing down the strongholds of the enemy that come against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. So he wants to... Come against the knowledge of God. Now you are you going to be taken in? Or are you going to say, no, I make my stand. I'm going to honor God. 
I know what the Word of God says. I'm not going to go there. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how appealing it is. I'm not going to go there. The deception came by what? Fraudulent undertaking. The forces at work are real, people. You think the, the boys in Madison spend all that money, billions of dollars because things don't work? <laughs> you better check the commercials, the magazines, the billboards. It works. And so if you get certain type of pants, ladies, you're going to be just a little twig. You're going to be skinny overnight. And guys, if you drink Bud, you're going to have an eight-pack and you're going to be playing football pro style. Interesting. The deception came by fraudulent undertaking. And notice, secondly, you have the foolish decision. Verse 15 through 21. He says, So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days that after they had made the covenant with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. And then the children of, um, of Israel journeyed and came on the cities of the, on the third day. Now the cities were Gibeah, uh, Chephrah, uh, Beeroth, and Kirhath Jerem. But the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Now notice verse 19. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we have sworn to them. And the rulers said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters, water carriers for all the congregation, as the rulers had promised them. Hmm. The foolish decision. Notice it's marked by, first of all, verse 15, the Shalom covenant was realized. Shalom means peace. The leader Joshua here in verse 15 believed them and they made peace with them. He's the leader. He bought it. The agreement of Joshua was to be one in fellowship with them from then on. The implications being much more than just fellowship. Now they were mutually responsible to each other. Protection, soundness, health, everything. Some of the commitments we make, we don't understand. Listen, when you ask somebody to marry you, that's to protect them, to provide for them, to be there till you die. You understand? I think the vows on the altar should be changed. I think they should be taken like this. Young man, do you take this woman to be your lawful other wife? To have to hold, to love, to honor, to die to self every day and think yourself last. And always live for her and to take care of her. Do you do? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. The leader Joshua confirmed this peace in verse 15 there by the covenant made with them to let them live. They were one in alliance, one in dependence now. And notice the ruler of the congregation swore to them. The agreement was direct. Disobedience to God's command to not make a covenant with the people of the land. Exodus twenty three thirty two and other portions. In thirty four twelve it says, Take heed to yourself lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going. Listen. Lest it be a snare to your midst, and your midst. Ooh, snare. That's a trap. Numbers 33:55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes, thorns in your sides. They shall harass you in the land where you dwell. It's a whole different message. We'll get into that later on because there's a lot of people that live in the land. It's only the beginning. Okay. God warned them. God told them. 
And somehow we say, well, you know, it's not going to really hurt. You know, he's really a nice guy and she's a really nice girl. Disobedience is disobedience. A flashing red light means stop. It's not a suggestion. Pastor Xavier Reese with straight talk about dealing with sin. And this message can be heard again anytime by clicking on the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Just browse for today's date. You can also request a copy of today's thought-provoking study from the book of Joshua titled, Lies Are Clever and Convincing. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. Once again, you'll be asking for Lies Are Clever and Convincing, or simply mention today's date with your request. And here's where to write. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Well, what happens when you fail to make decisions based on the Bible? Well, the resulting fallout is our topic on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 